Welcome to episode 27 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, and I'm joined by my co-host, the man in the Thursday legend, Aaron Riley. Aaron, my friend, since our last show, the Yankees have been eliminated from the playoffs. The Eagles and Jets both took another L. The Jets caught Le'Veon Bell and your favorite basketball player of all time won another chip. It's been quite the goddamn week, huh? <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, crazy shit going on every single league you look at. So uh, I'm ready to dive into it. I think uh, I think Dan is, is ready to just dive in head first. Always ready to dive in head first. Let's get into today's topics. And now for today's topics. All right, folks, we're going to switch it up a little bit uh, for you tonight, today, this morning, whenever you're listening to this. Aaron actually came up with a good point. We usually – our heavy, heavy football show, which is not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination since we probably have the best football analysis uh, on this side of the Mississippi. Um, you know, other than probably undisputed Skip Bayless, who probably have the second best football analysis. Um, <laughs> so we're probably going to start off here with some MLB and, and, and probably get into some NBA as well. Uh, we feel like those two sports have been doing a commendable job of providing some entertainment to – the sports world and us as well so we figured we would give some love and some shine early on before we get into it's obviously football so um let's start off with the MLB I just mentioned the Yankees uh were eliminated on Friday last Friday I believe uh, by the Tampa Bay Rays Yankees uh had won a decisive game four took it to a, a decisive game five ultimately the Rays and their pitching staff um seized the day one out uh two to one Chapman gave up a late home run which he is done for the second straight year. Um, the Yankees were sent home packing. Um, kind of surprising, I guess, if you're looking at the two teams on paper, you obviously have a judge, a Stanton. Um, you have Luke Voigt, who led the league in home runs this year. You have Aaron Hicks. You have DJ LeMahieu. You have Gary Sanchez. You look at the lineup from top to bottom and see all that firepower, all that star power. Expect them to kind of roll over a team like the Rays. I, I, I think the Rays – uh, if you're a casual baseball fan, kind of like myself, really snuck up on you. And if you paid close attention to sort of the 60-game season, uh, the Rays of the Yankees kryptonite basically all year. Um, they had Blake Snell, who pitched a couple games for them, who was really good. Tyler Glasnow um, started game five on like two days rest, which was insane. And really outside of um, Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery, the Yankees really didn't get much consistent pitching. There was a second game of the series when – um, Aaron Boone decided to pitch Debbie Garcia, start him, and then take him out after an inning and put in Jay Happ, which was a little bit questionable. So I think, it, you know, the Yankees uh, are definitely a few pitchers, whether it be starters or, or relievers, away from um, contending in the playoffs. And, you know, obviously you have to get get runs across the plate to, to win in this league. But, you know, also pitching helps too, especially in the playoffs when uh, – People start choking them off the bat, and, and the pressure's a little bit higher. So, uh, kind of tough for the Yankees to lose there, but figure I'd give that breakdown since they're my favorite team. And, um, you know, obviously my only New York team right now that has any had any shred of, of making a, a championship run, but kind of stinks that uh, they're, they've been knocked out. Yeah, definitely, definitely came as a little bit of a shock to me as well. I mean, I was kind of – I was thinking Tampa Bay would be that nationals of last year that's kind of like how I've looked at them uh going into this postseason just because they were red hot I mean really they were red hot the last two months I would say that's a fair assumption um but in the same token I mean you you mentioned Judge you mentioned Stanton 
those guys are just absolute savages, and they, they just hit the ball out of ballparks. Uh, and that's not even to mention Voight. Uh, you know, Torres can hit the ball. Brett Gardner is a dangerous, you know, dangerous at the plate. And, and just, you know, I just thought, you know, with that lineup, they're just going to be a serious problem for, for the Rays pitching staff. And really they didn't, um, you know, competitive series, don't get me wrong, but uh, the, ultimately the Rays pitching beat the Yankees hitting. And, and I'll always be a proponent of like great, absolutely outstanding pitching will be great outstanding hitting yeah. in most cases. So yeah. um, it just goes back to, you know, if I was structuring a team myself, I would definitely invest heavy in the in the rotation, in the bullpen, yeah. in the closing situations. Uh, you know, as in a, a good closer, before I'd invest in a in a lineup. But at the same time, obviously the Yankees went out and got Garrett Cole. Um, Tanaka is no scrub. You know, they they have pieces there. It's just I think the Rays are a hotter team, and you kind of alluded to how the Yankees were we're kind of cold going in and, and the, the Rays were red hot and it just kind of, it ran together in that aspect. And, and the Rays did enough to win this series. Like I said, a, a really good series, but uh, the Rays are to, to me, it's either the Dodgers or the Rays that are the hottest in baseball, but you can definitely make a case that the Rays are, are the best team in baseball. Yeah, I think, I think you definitely can, especially since they're up three L in the Astros right now. Um, they're actually playing currently as we're recording game four on Wednesday night. Um, Tyler Glasnow is pitching again, and the uh, the Astros are winning uh, 1-0, surprisingly. Altuve hit a home run, but uh, they've just been rolling through Houston, and I absolutely love – I mean, even though I hate the Rays because they're an AL East rival and they just knocked out my Yankees, I obviously hate the Astros, and it feels like forever, they, forever ago they got in trouble for that. Um, cheating scandal, but it, it definitely um, is great to see that they're finally getting the karma um, and, and sort of what's been deserved coming to them at this point. Uh, two has been complete shit. Same thing with their starting pitching, um, which is which is kind of funny. Uh, the Rays have a lot of like really no-name guys who are stepping up. That guy Margot or Margo um, have three home runs the other night. Meadows is pretty good. Rosa Reina um, killed the Yankees last series. Choi um, is, a, is a Garrett Cole killer. And then Brusso had the home run against Chabon to clinch the series. So they have a lot of under, underrated guys. And, you know, obviously they, they probably should be higher rated than they are right now since they're beating, a, you know, at the Astros 3 nothing. But, um, I, you know, I, I think if, if they don't close this game out, I, I look them to close out the series the next game or the game after that. I don't think they really have anything to sweat when it comes to how the Astros are playing right now. It's just – it's kind of ultimately of a matter of when and not if. Uh, so, it's, I mean, it's good to see, you know, you kind of like to see the small market teams get some love. Um, you know, obviously the Dodgers on the other side have, have been there year in and year out. And it is good to see some a team like the Rays who, you know, traditionally don't have the biggest payroll. They use, use a lot of analytics, use a lot of, uh, you know, small ball ways to sort of a lot of untraditional ways to get ahead. And, you know, it's kinda, I guess it kind of makes me feel good to see a team like that get this far and be this successful. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, this is coming from a team that's absolutely atrocious and in a small market. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, once again, just going to stress the point of, you know, the Rays are, are a hot team. The Dodgers are a hot, a hot team. I think those just go hand in hand in both of those series. And I, I think it'll be a, a Rays and the Dodgers World Series, and, and I am looking forward to that. I think that will be an interesting matchup. Now, uh, not to, like, fast forward or anything. Anything can, can potentially happen, but 
I think, you know, granted, uh, you know, with, with how the matchups look right now, I don't, I don't think the Braves have enough to not knock off the Dodgers. And if the Dodgers were to get to the World Series and, and not win again, it's almost like a, you look at it like a 90s Buffalo Bills situation because they've just been there so many times and they, you know, they haven't gotten it done. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing seeing if the Dodgers, you know, pull it off this year or if, uh, you know, if somebody else trips them up along the way here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you mentioned that the Dodgers have been there, you know, mostly every year for the past five years. If there's if there's a team that kind of deserves a championship in any sport, it's it's got to be the Dodgers. They've far and away been the best team. I think they had the best record in, in the regular season by a wide margin um, throughout the rest of the, the entire MLB. Um, they are down 2 nothing right now. They're about to, you know, win game three. Uh, they scored 11 runs in the first inning, which is – pretty insane um, when you think about it in an NLCS game. Um, Clayton Kershaw was scratched last night from his game two start. I think that's ultimately why um, they lost game two. He had back spasms, I believe. So hopefully he gets back to being healthy, and I I think they ride this momentum and ultimately close out this series here. But Rays-Dodgers would be a great series. I wouldn't be pissed about Rays-Braves either. I think the the Braves are, are pretty good in their own right. I just would kind of hate to see the Astros make it just, just for a personal vendetta. But uh, either way, we'll, uh, you know, bring some World Series coverage to you next week. It'll probably start, um, you know, whether it be over the weekend or early next week. So we'll be able to sort of preview that matchup or talk about the first couple of games, depending on how the calendar shakes out. Um, but, yeah, nonetheless, excited for, for – and happy for baseball, honestly, too. I You know, they're, they're in that bubble setting now, and, and the COVID situation has seemed – um, resolved at this point. So it's, it's good to see that uh, – I guess it's not good that they've transferred their issues over the NFL, but it's good to see that the MLB has, has figured their shit out. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm even in the same boat with you on – I don't want to see those cheating bastard Astros make it. So, <laughs> uh, you know, that's just – I don't know. It's, it's hilarious to see how the, the Astros pitching hasn't been as lethal and Altuve hasn't really done much of anything. And it, and if you really look and analyze those numbers uh, of Altuve and the and the uh, Astros pitching in Minute Maid Park in Houston last, you know, the last couple of postseason runs, it's it's quite remarkable how good those stats are and, and how they line up with, you know, if they're being fed signals. And obviously they, they were, um, you know, how much that really played a factor into winning games and, and ultimately dominating other teams for yeah. that matter. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. And anytime the Astros can can get their shit pumped, it's always uh, kind of fun to watch. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, do you want to move on and talk about LeBron now? Uh my stomach was feeling okay, but you know we'll we'll get into it anyway. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, since Aaron and I last recorded, uh, the Heat had taken uh, game five to to push to a game six. Um, they ended up uh, you know edging out the Lakers in that game five, one eleven to one oh eight. Lakers then came out firing on all cylinders. Um, Danny Green was finally able to hit a shot. Uh, LeBron played exceptionally well. Anthony Davis was up to his, his old tricks again on the defensive side, but also um, you know on the offensive side as well. Ben Adebayo played really well for the Heat. Um, Goran Dragic yeah, was able to come back. But ultimately, I think Jimmy Butler and, and sort of the squad there was, was too tired, came up a little bit short against the Lakers. And LeBron was able to win his fourth title, uh, Anthony Davis was able to get his first, and LeBron won his fourth um, Finals MVP. So, 
Aaron, we'll get into, I guess, sort of where this where this uh, Lakers team can go from here and sort of what where uh, LeBron's legacy um, kind of shakes out at, at this point. Um, but were you surprised to see LeBron get, get Finals MVP, or do you think Davis had a shot for that? Yeah, I mean, I I thought ultimately Davis had a had a very good shot for that, only because of you know the the amount of points obviously he scored and and just the, I mean he he's just a problem. Not to say LeBron isn't a you know in the same light, but I, you know Anthony Davis just creates such a matchup problem and and he's just a rebound machine. It's an automatic rebound with him, so it's just um, you know if I was voting and, and no you know all bias aside. I probably would have gave it to to Davis slightly over LeBron, but I mean it's it was close. LeBron obviously did his thing, put up you know uh, usual numbers like I want to say like twenty eight, ten, and nine or something very yeah. close to that. If if not, it's those exact, exact he, yeah, it's exactly what he had. Besides, I didn't get fourteen rebounds, but you were spot on with the assistant points. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I I just think you know Davis is. is not to say LeBron isn't still, you know, a force. He obviously is. He's playing just as good as he's played, you know, for the last decade or so. But um, just Anthony Davis was a was a huge problem for the Heat coming in. And, uh, you know, ultimately it kind of impressed me that the Heat were able to steal two games from the, from the Lakers. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, just with the small lineup they ran. And, and they, I mean, they were using everybody that they could. And they were just kind of scrambling. And, and Jimmy Butler – you know, if if anybody has a bad thing to say about Jimmy Butler after that series, you know, I I definitely question their integrity, just because the guy like really gave it his all, um, took a team, you know, further than he's ever taken any team in the past, and, and just really he was the only guy out there that was uh, consistently, you know, uh, coming every single night with with as as much as he had and, and he was putting up big numbers and it just was it, ultimately it wasn't enough I didn't think it was going to be but uh, I was just kind of surprised you know pleasantly surprised that they took two games and, and I think Jimmy Butler definitely uh, elevated his game throughout the entire playoffs and, and even throughout the finals run so um, hats off to the Lakers I mean what's that's their like 18th championship or yeah like that. I think 17th I believe 17 so I mean obviously the <laughs> Their, their legacy is forever, forever, you know, remembered in everybody's mind as far as championship success and just, you know, historic players. But, um, you know, just, just a, a weird – I'll still add that it's just a weird finals and the fact that it just didn't feel like the finals to me um, just because of the COVID situation. But um, that, that really caps the NBA season and, and Lakers come out on top. Yeah, not much more to break down after that. I, it, the entire bubble scenario felt like an AAU tournament. It kind of felt like it, you know, they were playing in the summer league. Um, you can equate it to anything you want. Just didn't really feel like it was real because of the lack of fans. Um, nevertheless, LeBron gets his fourth championship. Uh, has a great chance. Him and Davis do. I mean, Davis has a he has the opportunity to opt out of his contract, and I think he will. But ultimately, I think he resigns with the Lakers just to sort of increase his uh his his contract and, and money from on a year-to-year basis uh they'll obviously be back in the playoffs be back probably in the western conference finals um do you think a team like golden state who has steph and clay and draymond healthy and a top three pick do you think um they pose sort of as as a, as a bigger threat to the lakers than the clippers do or is there another team you're looking at next year that that might 
dethrone the Lakers uh, specifically from the West? Yeah, I still I still kind of ride with the Clippers only because of their like the matchups that they they can create for the Lakers. I mean, they're a they're a taller team. They're not like the Heat, obviously playing with a super small lineup. I just think the Clippers got a little bit too uh, ahead of themselves this year. I think I I don't know. Paul George will forever be like Skip Bayless says, George Paul. Uh, <laughs> so he'll forever be like playoff P. Most, Playoff, yeah, that's even better. Playoff P, just, uh, I mean, you know, you can't find that guy. If you had a telescope, you couldn't find that guy. But uh, it's just, <laughs> he's he just, he vanishes when the when the lights are on. I was a huge Paul George fan when he was in Indiana, and, and that team was making a run. I was really rooting for him for a while. But he he's come up smaller than many me, you know, plenty of times now, just more than enough to count in the playoffs. So I don't know if. You know, it's one of those situations where the the Clippers owner I know was was very pissed that they had, you know, lost in the in the playoffs and yeah. just very pissed that that he has the money invested in those guys and nothing to take away from Kawhi. I mean, he I think he could have done more, but at the same time, when when a guy comes up that small, it's like you got to at least put ninety per ninety to ninety five percent of the blame on on Paul George and yeah, and ultimately, I mean, he got. The way I look at it, he got Doc Rivers fired and then ran out of town. So I just – I don't know. I still look at the Clippers as as the team that can potentially beat the Lakers. I think, you know, they've had success against them, you know, when they matched up in the past. But, right. um, you know, if Paul George comes out and, and puts up, you know, six points like he's fully capable of doing because he chokes, you know, they're not, they're not going to go very far. So – um, you know, you can never shortchange uh, Golden State. I'll, I'll be extremely curious to see how they come back and how they respond after a, a year of, you know, obviously a huge disappointment and, and just a, a year where injuries just plagued the whole team. So that that would be interesting to see. But um, I still think the Clippers at the current moment are closer um, at, you know, just, just right now. I, I just – Paul George has to step it up, and, and if he doesn't this coming season, I mean, I, I don't think they have to get rid of him in, in some capacity, even if they take a loss, obviously, with the contract they signed with him. But I just I still think Kawhi Leonard's one of the best players, especially two-way players in the league. So that's who I look at to to potentially knock off the Lakers if, if they can get all of their, their pieces rolling in the, in the right direction. Here's another one for you out of the East. Uh, he- healthy Kevin Durant. Healthy Kyrie Irving, Steve Nash coming to coach a team, Spencer Dinwiddie, a uh, bunch of other f- decent players, I, I suppose, and the Nets. Do you think they take the East crown from the Heat and from the Bucks, or do you think uh, the Heat or Bucks sort of uh, continue to take control of the East? You could throw in the Celtics there as well. Sort of a four-team battle. Maybe Philly figures it out with Doc Rivers joining the squad. But uh, do you see the Nets making any sort of noise next year? I do, yeah. I, th- I think I think KD adds a, a obviously a, a huge a huge piece to that team. That, that you know bro- the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, let, let's be honest, they haven't done really anything since they came in the league. So um, I think KD obviously coming back off the injuries. I hope and pray to God that he can just stay healthy for a full season. I think the NBA without KD isn't isn't exactly the same. Um, say what you want about the, the move that Golden State he made, but I still think he's one of the most fun players to at least watch. Um, i never been a Kyrie Irving fan. I think Kyrie Irving is extremely selfish and, and <laughs> egotistical, 
um, to say the least. But I think, you know, if they can play and they, they can uh, be on the same page, you know, that, that's definitely a lethal combination. And, um, you know, Steve Nash, one of, the, one of the best point guards to ever do it. So uh, I'm definitely curious to see Steve Nash as a, play, as a, uh, as a coach. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's going to be an exciting team to watch. But I, I, you know, I've messed up the East pick the last couple of years. I thought uh, the Celtics were going to be the team to be in the East this year. And uh, surprisingly, they, they just couldn't get past the Heat. So um, I still – my heart tells me the Celtics will find a way over the hump. I think Jason Tatum is, is you know, becoming one of the best younger players in the league. And, and I just think Boston's one of those cities where they just – they figure out a way to win. They might not win every single year, but they just – they're consistent. So they're consistent. They'll, they'll be persistent next year as well as far as, you know, they'll easily make the playoffs. They'll easily be a top seed. So I, I could see the Celtics definitely – like if I'm picking right now, right, you know, here today, that my heart tells me the Celtics get over the hump. Wow. But – uh, Pat Riley's one of those guys where he he's a winner too. Uh, you know he doesn't accept losing for for multiple multiple seasons. So they, the Heat snuck in there and, and did enormous damage. And I have full confidence that Pat Riley will will bolster that lineup and, and make that team better over the next couple of years. So they'll be a threat as well. Uh, not to not to go off on a tangent on the, the entire Eastern Conference, but. I don't really see Milwaukee like I just don't believe in them for for whatever reason it might be. I just think with you know without Giannis that team is trash. So it's like he he elevates them uh, tremendously, but just not enough to you know they need another guy on that team that can score consistently and be a and honestly be a shooter in my opinion. Um, other than that, I mean I think I think Philly is. Um, Philly will be better, but I was never a big Doc Rivers fan, you know, going the whole way back just because I think he's always had a great team around him. Yeah. And he just – he he finds ways to lose series, to choke, to – you know, that's not going to fly in, in a city like Philadelphia, especially if they if they go up 3-1 to one and lose a series. That's not going to, you know, go over well. So I, I just – I'm not the biggest Doc supporter. I think um, their front office needs to figure a couple things out. They've made a couple bad deals in the last couple of years. like. Uh, for example, like the Al Horford deal, that was pretty bad. Um, yeah. They just never fanned out. They they spent a ton of money, and then they spent like top dollar for Tobias Harris, who's uh, a nice player, but not like anything, not a special, not a, a franchise type player whatsoever. So um, I just think Philly's a few pieces away still. So I, my, I'm right now. I'm saying Celtics next year get over the hump and, and make it to the finals in the East. Damn. I think we need to talk about basketball every week. It sounds like you have a pretty good fucking idea of what's going on. Yeah. Hey, I mean, I, I'm, I love basketball. Let me put it to you this way. You're not going to like this. I love basketball when LeBron doesn't win. Let me put it that way. So you probably hate basketball right now then. Yeah. And I'll probably yeah. hate it next year too because we'll probably be back in the finals. But, uh, yeah, I think I – mean, <laughs> hey, I, I think it uh, – Hot take. Eat, eat Nets, Eastern Conference Finals would be fantastic. And Lakers, Clippers, Western Conference. Finals would be fantastic. So you guys can place your bets now. Um, that's some NBA talk. It's always good to good to see uh, you know LeBron win a trip, deservedly so. Another Finals MVP. We'll see how the offseason shakes out. I think the Lakers have some cap space to play with. They also have some guys to resign. Um, you know, we'll see what the Heat can do. I'm sure a couple guys want to go down and play with Jimmy Butler. And um, Pat Riley has said he wants to build a contender. Um, before he leaves and rides off into the sunset there. So that's something to watch out for. And obviously just 
a lot of the guys coming back from injury, I mentioned Steph, Clay, Draymond, uh, KD, Kyrie, all coming back from some sort of injury from last year. So uh, it'll be good to see. Hopefully we can get some fans back in the stands early in 2021. And then we'll have basically a regular NBA and, and obviously um, get back to regular sports in general after that. But let's talk about our favorite topic of the week, Aaron. Uh, another two losses across the board. For my Jets and your Eagles, um, Eagles actually put up a decent fight. Unlike the Jets, they ultimately lost 38-29 after putting up a dramatic comeback against Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the Jets laid an egg from start to finish. It was a Joe Flacco game. Um, they lost 30-10 to to the Cardinals. Kyler Murray ran all over them, threw, threw all over them. Um, DeAndre Hopkins caught like a million passes. Um, Kyler Murray threw for a career high. And passing yards, um, and again, the Jets uh, lay a fat egg. Well, let's start with your Eagles. Um, I watched a decent amount of this game. Uh, Chase Claypool from the Steelers had four touchdowns and was balling. Big Ben looks pretty good. Uh, Sanders and, and Wentz, I, I think, played pretty well. And they have that undrafted guy, Fulgham, playing receiver. But uh, what did you see from this game, Aaron? Are there, any, are there any positives you can take away? Obviously, the defense didn't play. Um, as well as you'd like them to, but scoring 30 against a good team like that, nothing to shake your head at, but uh, what what can the Eagles take from this game and, and sort of apply moving forward for the rest of the season? Yeah, so some good things, some bad things as always um, with this team. Uh, obviously coming off, uh, once again, I mean, whenever you lose, I'm, I'm never going to say it was a, you know, uh, it's hard for me to look at positive. I, I'll say that just because now we're sitting at one, three and one, but uh, you know, that goes without saying. I mean, they, they did some good things on the offensive side of the ball. I think for the most part, they protected Wentz pretty good, especially, you know, with the offensive line, with the formation that we have in there now with with injuries obviously playing a part and and uh, Maialata actually getting his first career start. Um, you know, I, I think overall, uh, you know, Fulgham made a huge, huge impact Um Bigger impact than our than JJ Ortega Whiteside has in two seasons. And How many catches played. did Fulgham have? Uh, it was double digits, the, right? Double. I know he had like a buck forty in yards. I think it was like um, twelve or thirteen catches. Yeah, just you know, it was one of those situations where they they just kept going to him time after time and time again, which you know nothing wrong with that. You know, if it's not if it's not broke, you know, just just go at it all day long. But at the same time, you know. I, they tried to run the ball, you know, here and there. Uh, I still think they could have tried to run the ball a little bit more. I think they could have been more creative with more, you know, motion, more sweeps. But um, I, Wentz didn't play bad. I, I think he could have played a little bit better. I give him like a B, B minus uh, oh. overall. Two picks. I mean, the one pick I'm not really going to put on him. I think um, if I'm if I'm Howie Roseman, I'm, I'm trading Zach Ertz as soon as I can. I'm getting any value I can from Zach Ertz because huh. he really hasn't done jack shit this entire season, um, and and actually cost us an interception in that game. If, if you go back and, and watch his route, he kind of gets shoved right off of his route, and just his body language was like, you know, I don't really care. It just it just didn't look right. Nothing about it looked right. He doesn't look like he has his head in the game. Um, how much so, is how much is he getting paid? I know, man. Or does he want? The, or does he want a new contract? He he's he just got in an argument with uh, Howie Roseman the other week, uh, just trying to get more and more money. And they actually, from from what I could, you know, what I read up on is what they they yeah. offered him 
the most money for a tight end in the league, and he denied it. So really, um, the way I look at it is he, he's not coming back regardless. Um, you know, we can get a solid receiver. We could get either a corner or, you know, a linebacker, a, a couple yeah. linebackers, something. Just, the money else give there. me something. Yeah. So, um, you know, as NBC Sports was, you know, they, they talked about it after the game. He's not playing – He's not playing like a guy that's in a contract year. So um, you just got to, in my opinion, you got to move on from, from Zach Ertz. I think you can get key pieces that will help this team more than, than what he, he's been able to do um, right. at this point. Uh, a guy that's been, you know, they, they've definitely used him up a lot the last couple of seasons. I know he had the most catches for a tight end ever in a season last season. So um, other than that, I mean, I, I you know, Ultimately, this game com- came down to Jim Schwartz being an absolute moron uh, once again <laughs> because, uh, you know, Claypool, obviously a huge problem for the Eagles all day long. And then late in the game, I know Pittsburgh had, a, like a th- I believe it was a third and eight, uh, and it really sealed it. But uh, of all people, he puts Nate Gary, uh, basically a, a very good practice squad player on uh, – on that receiver and he just gets torched. I mean, the guy didn't even look like he knew what he was doing out there. Um, he's a backup linebacker is what truly Nate Gary is. Uh, he's on a lot of special teams plays. He's just not, not a guy you're going to line up against, you know, really anybody in this league and, and win that battle. Um, he's a complimentary piece, you know, in a, in a bad situation, but um, you know, that, that torched them. I mean, I, I'm putting this game on Jim Schwartz that he just didn't get it done. He didn't, uh, really, Big Ben got the, the ball out of his hands extremely fast the entire entire game, which obviously played right into the Steelers' hands because uh, Philly wasn't really able to get any pass rush that way. Um, you know, it wasn't really the running game that hurt Philadelphia overall. It was just uh, nonstop getting beat, uh, getting beat deep. Uh, there were a couple pass interference calls that really hurt Philadelphia. Uh, there was a face mask call that was – you know, absolute horseshit in my opinion because you didn't even like they didn't even show where it was coming from. They called Brandon Graham for a face mask and there was no, like they didn't even they couldn't find it. Like the the end yeah. of the Fox couldn't even find it. Nowhere so, to be found. Um, yeah, but ultimately, I mean, once again, you you see the ineptitude of of Jim Schwartz not, you know, I don't know, just not being in the game because you gotta you gotta line your best guy up on on. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the Steelers receiver right now, but Claypool. Yeah, Claypool. I, I that's all I heard all day Sunday. I can't believe I can't remember it, but yeah, he put, um, yeah, he's good. I mean, I I think the Eagles are, you know, anytime you give up 40 points to any team, it's going to be tough to win. I thought I thought the offense showed a lot of good stuff. I I don't think Eagles fans. I don't think you guys should be pessimistic. I and especially with with Dak going down. We'll get we'll get to the Prescott injury here in a little bit, but I, I think especially with that especially with the way the, the the Washington football team is playing. The Giants don't look good at all. I think the Eagles, the way they played on Sunday, the comeback, the moxie they showed, what Wentz has, has been fi- able to figure out and show um, the last couple of games, I think you guys should be encouraged. Fulgham looks really good. Sanders is a fucking tank. I think if you figure out the defense a little bit, obviously, yeah, you know, having a – not having Slay on Claypool or having one of your best defenders on Claypool – um, to finish out the game, there was fucking idiotic. So I, I think Schwartz needs to figure some shit out. But I think your chances definitely bode well for finishing out the rest of the season in a good spot, and you know definitely pushing for for the you know first place in the NFC East. 
Hey, man, I, I like the glass half full approach, but I just – I don't know, man. It's just one year after another. Like, if you continue to see the same problems, like, for example, um, you know, just Jim Schwartz, I, I don't – I don't know what goes through his head half the time. Like last week, uh, they were extremely aggressive. They they seemed to get right after the ball. And I'm not taking anything away from Pittsburgh, but there were just some matchups and some sometimes they lined up and it was like, dude, obviously it's like they'll have five receivers out and they'll they'll try and throw like Nate Gary on the on either the the inside or outside receiver. Yeah. Um, you know, you just can't you just can't expect great results when you're throwing a guy out there that doesn't even know. You know, I don't even think he knows his position for that matter just because he's out of position all the time. So, it, I don't know. I, you can attribute to uh, Howie Roseman not, you know, I mean, the, these corners, uh, you know, minus Darius Slay. I mean, Jalen Mills is far from, from a great player. I mean, he gets beat constantly. Uh, Avante Maddox, he's just a guy, really. Just a um, guy. Yeah, just a, just a guy. Just, just a human being, I'll say. I, I'm not even – I mean, he's a – He's an okay, um, like, fourth corner. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. it's just – I don't know, man. Like, it's it's it sucks when, you know, I see this team in positions where they can win games and they just – it's almost like I, I've seen so many bonehead mistakes, either coaching or just by players week in and week out, that it just gets – it gets so frustrating that it, I, I just get so sick of it. And then I, I look at the – you know, how we're second in the division, which it, it's just a shithole division. That's all it is. Like, if we were in any other division, we'd be all, you know, we'd be in fourth place by, and we'd be down three games. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. It's hard, it's hard for me to be optimistic only because it's just like, if it's not the offense, it's the defense. If it's not the defense, it's, it's, Wentz has no receivers. It's, he doesn't have an offensive line half the time. It's just, it, they can, they're never firing on all cylinders and, and really the San Francisco game, I felt like they were. But, you know, how much can you really take from that? Because Miami just destroyed San Francisco. So, yeah. I don't know, man. Just uh, I just felt like this is not, not our season. You know, I, parts of me does, doesn't even want to see them win the division because I think they just need a, an overhaul on, on a lot of positions at, at this point. And they just need to – I don't know. Sometimes I really think Howie Roseman is kind of – delusional in his draft picks and it's just kind of the last couple of seasons he they barely gotten things together at the right time and it just hasn't been enough to make me satisfied or or even excited to watch them play on a weekend week out basis who do they got next week oh dude it's brutal i'll give i'll give you a hint they're in the steelers division the ravens the baltimore freaking Ravens yeah, that's tough uh, yeah I mean I, I watched uh, a little bit of the Ravens game as well uh and you know they you know they only gave them three points I think to to the Bengals uh, I mean obviously you know playing a rookie quarterback in Joe Burrow but uh it just goes to show you you know you an offense with Lamar Jackson and all his weapons just to, just to pair with an exceptional defense um Patrick Queen the rookie linebacker I think was was named AFC defensive player of the week uh, return to fumble yep. for a touchdown, just looking elite. Defensive line there is pretty good as well. And then you have Marcus Peters there and some other guys in the back end. So uh, if, if I'm a betting man, yeah, probably an Eagles loss. But hopefully the schedule, you know, breaks up a little bit after that. Like I said, uh, with Dak out, I think, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking at the NFC subjectively, I'm probably 
throwing the Eagles as my favorite to win the division. And, and like you alluded to a second ago, you might not want that because it might lead to some false hope in the offseason. It might lead to some wrong decisions, whether it be from keeping a head coach, keeping a GM, you know, signing a free agent here and there because you think you're, you know, one or two guys away from actually being really competitive, even though you, it was just sort of an off year for the division as a whole and kind of a weird year in 2020 just for everybody. So and that's, that's, that's kind of how I looked at the Jets season last year. Like we, we overachieved and finished seven and nine and probably should have had the season um, that we're having this year. And, and it did lead to some false hope and some overinflated uh, expectations for sure. So hopefully the Eagles don't go through that. Hopefully they can, uh, you know, once they get past this Ravens game, you know, hopefully the schedule eases up a little bit. They can um, start stringing together some wins. Like I said, I think Wentz is a, uh, you know, not to say that he's a completely different quarterback from week one. I think he is starting to figure some stuff out. I think Doug is starting to help him out more. I think he's developed some chemistry with Fulgham. I do think the the Earth situation is obviously one for concern, and, and the, hopefully uh, Dallas Goddard can come back soon, um, although I'm not sure what his injury status is. But Sanders is, is a great piece for them. I think uh, if you can get anything from Arcega Whiteside and some of those other receivers, it's a bonus, but – you know, we'll see. I mean, obviously the Ravens is a tough matchup. Maybe they'll play him close. Maybe they'll squeak one out, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, you definitely bring up a good point. Miles Sanders can definitely be extremely dangerous uh, at times for sure. I, I think uh, if they would just get a complimentary back to him and keep him fresh throughout the game, they could utilize him a lot more. I think at times they, they go away from the running game way too quick or, uh, they try and they use they use them up a lot early and then just go and just then I don't know if it's a fatigue thing that there's been rumors that just because he, he didn't you know there was no preseason and he was out the first two games he hasn't been in like ideal game shape so that's one of those things where just the guys behind him I mean you have Boston Scott who's like an extremely poor man staring Sproles he's just not very effective um, and then Corey Clement who just is like pretty much inept uh, to say the least, it's just not a guy that, that makes, you know, really any much of a difference. So if they would just go out and get like a, a another back to compliment Miles Sanders, I think they could heavily rely on the running game more and there'd be far less pressure on Wentz. But uh, I don't know. It just seems like they don't want to make the appropriate moves to help the team right now. I don't know what the direction is. Um, I think things are going to change drastically in the next year or year, year to two with that franchise, I just, I don't know, things are a little bit fishy there, but um, in the fact that, you know, I think going into this next week, um, it's absolutely terrifying to think about what the Ravens defense could potentially do to this Eagles offense. Um, <laughs> I mean, they just got to protect Wentz. Uh, when I was watching Baltimore, the couple of times I had this season, they just look so fast on the defensive end. Yeah. It's just like they, they're, they can cause enormous havoc and, and, you know, uh, as the Eagles have been playing better, uh, just slowing down Lamar is going to be a huge issue. I think he's going to run a ton on, on our defense. Uh, once he gets, you know, once basically if he drops back and, and he can get around the defensive line, he'll be off to the races because the middle of the Eagles defense is just horrible to say the least. So the linebackers are going to have a hard, have a horrible day. I think the corners are going to, you know, struggle because they'll be trying to cover everybody and then Lamar will take off. So, I don't look for the Eagles to win the game. I think it'll be, you know, pretty one-handed, pretty one-sided. So not to be extremely negative, but I think we'll drop the one, four, and one, and then it's just 
you really got to get on some type of roll <laughs> the rest of the season just because it hasn't started out well and it hasn't been going well. So, uh, you know, that's, that's really all I have to say about, unfortunately, the Eagles so far this year. That's that on that. But if you're looking for a comedy running back, I heard Le'Veon Bell is available. Uh, that leads you right into talking about the New York Jets. Uh, lost a, a, an easy decision, thir- uh, 30 to 10, against the super average Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Mur- Murray threw the ball over the field to John Jay Hopkins. Uh, the Jets, for some reason, decided to start an undrafted free agent cornerback and put him on DeAndre Hopkins uh, in his first ever NFL start. As you can imagine, it didn't go particularly well. Uh, Chase Edmonds, the running back for the Cardinals, had a great day. Um, Joe Flacco started in place of Sam Darnold. As I mentioned earlier, Darnold's still nursing a sprained shoulder from uh, getting ragdolled in the Denver Broncos game. And really, you know, Joe Flacco didn't really play that bad, didn't really play that good. Just sort of the average uh, kind of bland football we've been used to seeing Joe Flacco play for the last five to ten years. Um Frank Gore played a lot. I have no idea why, which, you know, kind of led to the late Van Bell situation. I really am sick and tired of breaking down Jets games because uh, they've been outscored by 86 points through five games. Each opponent, except for one, has dropped 30 points on them, and they've been held, I think, to under 20 every single game, I believe, which it's just they're playing so bad um, in every facet of, of the game. It just really is annoying to watch. It's annoying to talk about them. Uh, and Gase is, is one of, if not the worst coach in NFL history, I can confidently say that. <laughs> just refuses to play to his player's strengths. He is one of the best athletes in the NFL, one of the, athlete, one of the best athletes in pro sports, period, and Le'Veon Bell for a season and a half. Refuses to cater to his game, refuses to play to his strengths, refuses to feed him the rock in favor of a 45-year-old Frank Gore playing on one fucking leg. I really have nothing else to say about this team except it hurts me to watch the team. It hurts that I'm a fan of the team. I wish I could, you know, have the heart to jump ship and join another team's bandwagon, but I, I just simply can't for whatever reason. Um, Le'Veon Bell was cut uh, last night, Tuesday night, because he's just unhappy with the way he's been used. I don't blame him. Uh, it really wasn't a Jamal Adams situation. I, all the stuff out there about Le'Veon Bell – kind of forcing his way out of New York is kind of false in my opinion. I just think him and Gase had a heart-to-heart conversation. Gase wasn't really tied to using him from the beginning. The the old GM who came in before Joe Douglas had signed Bell um, to a massive contract for absolutely no reason. He didn't fit Gase's system, which I understand that Gase kind of had preconceived notions about him and about using him. But still, um, when you have a guy like Le'Veon Bell in your locker room and in your game plan, you kind of have to feature him and just refuse to for a season and a half. So, I'm happy for Le'Veon. Hopefully he goes to a contender. The Jets are footing the bill for uh, the rest of the year. So he can sign for a vet minimum with a contender, maybe the Chiefs. or I mean, I feel like everyone nowadays needs a complimentary back who can catch the football and block, and Le'Veon Bell can do that. He's a cerebral player. He's a good player to have in your locker room. So I wish all the best for him. It was kind of a weird tenure and uh, probably put a damper on his, his potential Hall of Fame career before joining the Jets. Um, but yeah, I, you know, this team will go 0 16. That's a guarantee. They play the Dolphins this week, um, who probably is the team on their schedule they have the best chance of beating, and they won't even sniff coming close to beating this team. Um, so that's all I really have to say. Go Trevor Lawrence, go Clemson, and, and we'll see you all at the draft. Damn, just throwing in the towel. I, 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 I see why. I mean, to, 
I, I see where, where you're coming from. Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, when you bring up like not catering to the player's strengths, it reminds me of the Chip Kelly days for me. So yeah, I, to- I totally get that. We signed DeMarco Murray, who was one of the best running backs in the league at that time. And then we try to hurry up offense and try and run the ball, like, you know, not between the tackles, just right up the middle and then get right back to the line with a quarterback like Sam Bradford, who didn't know where the hell he was throwing the ball half the time. So, I mean, I, I totally get not catering to the player's strengths and, and, and watching that happen. That, that's one of the most frustrating things because you can sit on your couch and, and understand that you can run the team a little bit, you know, I mean, if not a lot better than, than you know, the head coach is. So I, I get it, man. I feel for it. I'm, I'm always uh, I'm always pulling for the Jets low key just because, you know, you're a close friend of mine and they're one of those teams where it's they haven't had success for so long and it's just like, you know, you go through these coaches where like like an Adam Gase is like, you know, what the hell is he thinking half the time? So I, I totally get the frustration. I get the I get the, the, the fact that, you know, you, you say, you know, you don't want to follow another team, but it, it's it they make it so hard and they make it year after year of just ineptitude and and I, I don't know man I I just hope they can they can find the right guy for the job I, I think Adam Gase has to go obviously and yeah, they, he'll need, go. They, they need a leader I think I think they need a guy that's um, honestly like I, I love Mike Variable on the on the Titans I think he's one of my favorite coaches because yes he's a players coach but he's one of those guys where you know he obviously motivates that team and and puts them on the right track where like an Adam Gase uh, trying to think who else is like, I don't know. I can't really think of another good no, it's, example. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. You mentioned the Titans. I was watching that game last night. They sh- uh, smoked the bills, which was an interesting game to watch. I guess their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith is like a really good up and coming candidate. And I've just been in full, you know, coaching carousel mode. I don't think Gase is going to make it past like week eight much less past next week. So I think at this point you're going 0-16 with him. You're going 0-16 without him. Why is he still in the building? Why is he continuing to, you know, have these bad relationships with our star players? It happened with Jamal Adams. It happened with Robbie Anderson. It's happened with Le'Veon Bell. He's probably, you know, he, he definitely has been hurting Sam Darnold in his development, which is tough to see since – He's a great kid who had so much promise. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just sort of, you know, looking at potential coaches they can get. I'm looking at, obviously, potential quarterbacks they can get. I might just become a Clemson fan for the rest of the season, a root for Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, knowing my luck, he'll probably stay in school for another year. Him and Justin Fields will probably stay in school because they don't want to get drafted to the fucking Jets, and I don't blame them. Uh, but that's where we're at, and uh, there's really no end in sight for this uh, misery train that we're on. Yeah, and and just to compliment what you said, not to beat a dead horse and go off on a Jets tangent, but um, I I just think like, you know, you bring up a great point. You, you know, I think they've kind of ruined Sam Darnold's at least potential at the moment, just because, you know, you got to surround the guy with with some help, and then and then of all things, you get rid of Le'Veon Bell, and and you never they never really utilize him the right way, like you said, but um, it's just one of those situations where like they're not really helping themselves or they're, they're hurting themselves. And, and, you know, play calling is huge in the NFL and, 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 you know, players that respect their coach. And, and I brought up the, the Mike Vrabel point, because if you look at the, like when he got in there and he, and he took over in Tennessee, that team was trash. I mean, that team was like one of the worst teams out there. Yeah. And now, I mean, just in a matter of like two to three years, they've 
drastically, you know, rebounded. They're, they're one of the best teams, you know, arguably in, in the NFL right now. Um, they knocked off the Ravens last year. They were one game away from going to the Super Bowl last year. And all, all of that with a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill that nobody thought, you know, much of before. So I, I think that really shows you the importance of coaching and drafting and like a general manager that, that can get the job done. So <clears throat> I don't know. I think if the Jets get on track as far as, you know, I, like I, I'm not ruling Sam Darnold out of the picture as far as, yeah, he hasn't been great, but, you know, give him a better situation, give him a better coach, a uh, better scheme, a better situation. You know, he could be a successful quarterback in this league. And, and I wasn't like a big supporter of him coming into this season, but in the few games I have watched, um, you know, I really don't put it on him. I think, you know, bad play calling is going to kill you every time. And, and that's just kind of what's going on there. And you got to have a coach that I think the players want to play for. And is Adam Gase that guy? I really don't think it is. I think he's vanilla. I think, you know, he's one of those guys where he's just a, uh, it's a temporary, everybody knows it's temporary because he, they, they're just not winning games. So. They're not winning games. I'll tell you that. I've seen it time and time again. 0-5, oh 0-6, oh like, I don't even know what the record is right now. I guess it's 0-5. Oh um, <laughs> it'll be 0-16. Oh um, I can say that confidently. I know I've made a lot of bold predictions about the Jets and about, I guess, just sports sometimes. But they will go 0-16. Oh the schedule is tough this year. Uh, it, it, I knew it was going to be tough coming into the season, even when I thought they had some chance of being a fucking football team, of resembling a football They'd probably get smoked in the SEC right now, much less the NFL. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Um, do we want to get some, some other topics, Aaron? Do we want to save some for next week? What do you want to do here? Um, I think we'll, we'll touch on just like one, one more. So I think, um, you know, it's really, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we could bring up a whole different, you know, a, a lot of different things here. Um, the Seattle game was definitely interesting. Yeah. Um, we touched on Tennessee a little bit. I think, uh, you know, honestly, you know, we could probably end it here just because there's so many different like little ways we could go with it, but um, there's nothing really sticking out to me. It's just, you know, there, there's always those little storylines and, and things of that nature. Yeah, I do. I, I do want to uh, give my thoughts uh, to Dak Prescott, his family, his teammates. That was a horrific injury. Um, suffered uh, you know, on the field. They're obviously a guy who was looking for a payday after the season. You don't wish injury upon anybody. Um, but that was extremely painful to watch. I was watching that game um, against the Giants. So uh, I, th I think just just early word is that, you know, obviously he was able to get surgery Sunday night. And I think I guess early word is that he'll be able to be back for at least some point next season. Hopefully uh, he resembles himself and is still able to be mobile and uh, still able to, to compete at a high level um, and, and earn that payday that definitely is deserved. Um, We'll see how it impacts Dallas. Obviously, they have Andy Dalton, and they have they do have a lot of weapons, so I don't think the drop-off will be too significant um, in terms of quarterback play just because of the receivers and, and Zeke. Obviously, um, they do have some injuries on the offensive line even before Dak got hurt. But, um, yeah, it, it, anytime you see a, a guy like that, as, you know, as much as I hate the Cowboys, I, I do think Dak's a good quarterback, and it just pains you to see a guy go down in pain like that. And he was even crying on the field, and, it was tough to see him butting on the towel on the stretcher and, and, and getting carted off there. So uh, hopefully he can make a good recovery and uh, doesn't end up sort of like an Alex Smith situation, but tough to see nonetheless. Yeah, I think 
that, that's that's an interest or that's a great point you bring up. Uh, as much as uh, as an Eagles fan as I am, I I don't wish injury upon really you know anybody for that matter. That's just not right. That's not morally right. So um, hats off to Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott's a one of those guys that you can look at as a role model in this league. I mean, he's just the guy that he kind of he he does the right thing, and it, it's just super unfortunate. It's one of those. The tackle itself is one of those you see, you know, week in and week out in the NFL. It's not anything that looked malicious or intentional or anything like that. It's just, you know, people, uh, you know, it's a very fast and violent game. And unfortunately, you know, you bend a, you bend an ankle a certain way. It, it, there's only so much play that you can, that you have there and it, things happen. And, and yeah, I, I, just, I was sad to see that, you know, um, just one of those guys, like I said, he's just a good, Good football player, good person. Uh, I know he's been through a, a whole hell of a lot off the field as well. So I, I just I feel for the guy. You know, mentally, I hope he he gets through this and, and you know is better for it. But um, yeah, I think uh, I'll, I'll bring up one more thing. You know, tied to that that topic. Do you think uh, there was a lot of talk about how you know Jerry Jones wasn't exactly right for for just tagging him for the season? I I look at it like it, it, it ultimately it is a business and, and I'm not trying to sound heartless when I say that, but if the Cowboys were thinking going forward, you know, this might not be our guy, I think tagging him, you know, that's not a bad decision. So a lot of, a lot of things came out this week. Like, you know, this is why franchise tags are such a bad thing, such a negative thing. But to me, it's just business in the NFL, uh, making the best decision for, for the team. If, if that's how they feel, what, what do you think on, do you think the, the, the Cowboys should have signed him to a long-term deal? And, you know, for something like this to happen, it, it just proves that they're, they made the wrong decision or like, how do you feel about all that, that discussion there? Yeah, I, I think it, I think the Cowboys have historically signed their, their quarterbacks to long-term contracts. And I think Dak wanted a shorter term contract. I think he wanted three to four years and, and the Cowboys probably wanted six to seven just to keep him sort of at a, at a lower cap number for longer, but Dak is, you know, I think at, at the time he made the decision for himself to obviously, you know, you know, without the pandemic the, in the cap in three to four years is going to significantly increase. Uh, the new TV deal is going to kick in in a couple of years and, and make that cap increase. So he was doing what he had to do to basically maximize um, his pay at the time that he wanted to, you know, looking back on it, does he probably wish he signed the, longer term deal maybe I mean he's getting paid 30 million this year regardless if they tag him next year he's getting paid 37 million a year regardless so it's not like he's making 500k 900k a million dollars a year I I just think it was sort of uh it's not so much the money it was it was the term even if you look back at Romo's contract he famously signed long-term deals so uh, I think Dak was trying to be smart about it, maximize that second contract or that third contract, excuse me, um, whether it be with the Cowboys or somebody else. And, uh, you know, I, I think both sides sort of had a point. Obviously, if you're the Cowboys, you want to keep him locked up. That's sort of that number, uh, the preferred number for longer. And if you're Dak, you want to maximize uh, the amount of money you can make. So I, I think tagging probably was the way to go this year anyway, regardless. And you know, maybe, you know, Dak regrets it a little bit, but in the end, I don't think they would have come to a contract agreement anyway, because he wasn't willing to budge and neither were they. So um, I, I do think they get a deal done at the end of the year and Dak probably has to take less money just because of this injury, which sucks. But I, I, I think that he has to go with the security, um, you know, over anything else. And maybe they do get him out of bargain, which would kind of suck for the rest of the NFC East because they'd have some more cap space to play with. But 
yeah, I, I think it was the right decision to tag him and, uh, you know, kind of even, even, even more so with, with the injury, which sucks to say, but it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you bring up a good point. You know, you, you, you come to a, an agreement on a number and that's what you kind of, you know, that's the result. So yeah. To, um, yeah. Hats off to him. I, I don't see him coming back. I mean, there's rumors if they made the playoffs that he, you know, he'd try and play in the playoffs. I don't think there's any chance in hell that that happens, but um, you know, hopefully uh, next season he can uh, at least come back and, and play, you know, up to his, his capability. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we'll be back at you next week, folks, with another show. Um, update you on how the Jets do against the Dolphins. Update you on how the Eagles do against uh, the Ravens. Update you on baseball and then some other rumblings. Maybe we'll touch on some college football since the season is well underway. The Big Ten is getting getting back to playing some games here in the near future. But uh, Aaron, why don't you take us home? Yeah, yeah, look forward to, to the upcoming week in football as much as I can. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll keep it rolling with the uh, MLB playoffs and uh, you know, the ongoing NFL uh, COVID-filled season. Thanks, so.